0: Me at cello, You had me at cello. You had me at cello. Oh, you had me at cello. Hi, everybody. It's five o'clock on a Friday. I know you want to get right to practicing, or maybe you want to sign up for that cello clinic on May fifteenth, or poke around at some of the additional videos at the YouTube channel, or you had me at cello. But press pause. Because the most important thing going on right now is cello chat. And it's gonna be another really great one. Because with me today is Carla Hanlon. How are you doing, Carla?
1: I'm well. I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well too. I'm very glad to have you on. This is gonna be lots of fun.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Terrific. For for people who don't yet know your wonderful work as performer and teacher. Can you tell about yourself and your music background, musical background?
1: Sure, well, I, um, I'm currently living in Austin, Texas, and I'm, a, I'm originally from Canada, from the great White north of Winnipeg, Manitoba, where it's still very, uh, very much winter. Spring is really taking its time to appear. Um, I grew up there. I spent all my life until I was, um, you know, university. I did my undergraduate degree there at the University of Manitoba. And then I was really privileged to have met uh, Anthony Elliott. I attended the Texas Music Festival, and he was currently uh, moving. He was at Houston, University of Houston. and He was uh, in transition to begin teaching at the University of Michigan. And uh, I really hit it off with him. He was a wonderful teacher. And then the next summer, I studied with him at the Aspen Music Festival and that just sealed the deal. So I then auditioned at the University of Michigan and it was really a wonderful experience being at that institution and my cello classmates were wonderful and of course, Mr. Elliott too. And, um, and then um, I moved further south. I <laughs> came to um, the University of Texas at Austin and was a student as for you with the amazing Phyllis Young. And I'm so privileged, as we all are, all of her students really feel the same, I think, that we got a piece of this legend. And there's probably not a day that goes by for you or me that doesn't think of something that she said, or yeah. did, or the way she would say it, now honey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and or I see a fingering of hers, or something that reminds me of of the thread that she had in all of us and what she contributed. So, and I was really fortunate um, after graduation. I got a job at a small university here at Concordia University. And um, it, ju- it was wonderful. And then I t- also taught at Texas Lutheran University. And then I landed here at Texas State in San Marcos and it's a wonderful program. It's a, we have about 600 music majors here at Texas State. It's a great school, um, really vibrant string area. And uh, I'm very fortunate that things went the way I wanted them to, I guess, in my career and life. And um, some people say they're lucky. Some people say they're in the right place at the right time. And maybe it's a combination of all of that. But um, I I miss the seasons very much, but I don't miss the cold. Living here in Texas, my family teases me that I've gotten really thin blood. (laughs) When it comes to weather, as you know, Austinites are the rich kids of weather. It's pretty marvelous in the winter here. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I started cello in the public schools in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And um, interestingly enough, the year after I was in grade seven, they stopped the programs in the public schools, which is still uh, non-existent. There's only one program in the city and it's in a private school. So um, and the, the bonus for anyone who lives up north will understand the following. As a child, we knew that if we were in string ensemble, we had three indoor recesses. Well, <laughs> in the winter, in the prairies, it's <laughs> three indoor recesses. It looks really good. So um, I, I wanted to play the viola, which I don't know why, because I didn't even know what the viola was. But my teacher said, you know, I think you'd really suit cello. And I took it home, not really knowing what it was. And I just fell in love with it, as we all do. Most cellists love the sound of it. And there was no looking back. It was just this thing that, you know, was handed to me. And um, it was just a love immediately between the two of us. So (laughs) that's that's kind of how things happened in my life. (laughs)
0: That's terrific. That's excellent. All right. Well, I definitely, I want to ask you about your, your performing and your recent CD, but just one of the things I ask everybody that I'm always uh, interested to see what people's philosophy of is or, or approach to, and that is as far as motivating our students. And, And this can be along the lines of I mean, there are some who play pretty well, but don't necessarily as practice practice as much as we want them to, or maybe even as much as they know they should, mm-hmm. or it can just be those times that people go through a period when they're they feel like they're spinning their wheels. So what is your playbook for keeping your students just really fired up?
1: Well, I think it's a combination. There's a recipe of a lot of things, as you know, as a teacher, that kind of has to happen. But one of the things that I really press upon my students that inspiration is fleeting. um, Motivation is fleeting. But what will see us through and that what we have to cultivate within ourselves as lifelong learners, when we become musicians, we take a vow to be a lifelong learner. And I think that Artists are extremely disciplined people. We must sit with our craft every day, whether it's a good day, a bad day, a frustrating day, uh, a tired day, a I don't wanna do this anymore day, or I've got this day. We must, that's the thing that I think will separate you really after school. Because in school, as you and I know, it's not a luxury, but we have a little more time. And then you get out of school and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got gigs or performances or concerts or practice time becomes very limited. And you really have to learn how to practice in a condensed manner, but also practice when you don't want to practice. And um, I would be lying if, every, if I said, oh, I, I love my cello every day. I can't wait to practice. I mean, there are days where it's hard, but I think that what we have to cultivate all the time in ourselves is discipline. And that I think is a really good trait, regardless of whatever we're doing, whether it's sports or music or, or just having that, we know the end goal always. And um, so that's what I really try to press upon my students that I know that you have five minutes, get out your cello and play a scale. I know you don't wanna do this, go slowly because we know this to be true, mood follows action. Whether it's an exercise, oh, I feel great after you run. The first mile is a liar. You're like, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> and then even practicing, you're like, oh, I don't want to do arpeggios. Hey, that wasn't bad. And then, and then you know when you put it away, we do feel better about what happens. So I think discipline. I think that's the big thing that I, I always remind them. That's the most important thing, really.
0: Outstanding, so. outstanding. And now a, a lot of the people I've gotten to interview also clearly lead by example. And I, whether this is, which one is the, which kind of, which came first, whether it is that you, for example, you're, many times that you've collaborated with other artists and in, in other arts, is that because you are inspired to do so, or because you know that you will be more inspired to, to dig deeper into art by, by doing such projects.
1: I think it's a little of both. Um, I find it fascinating working with dancers, because they 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 think in a different way. Yeah, I mean their beat patterns are very structured and they're very uh, everything's very calculated. But it's somehow different. And um, I did a project a number of years ago with some dancers. The first time and I was like, wow. This is neat. You know, (laughs) this is this is really kind of cool the way because we all have the same end goal, but it's the way we all come at it in a different way. Are we visual artists, you know, um, and we can always learn from that. It's like when we work with wind players in chamber music, as you know, they have a we're all thinking of the phrase, but it's the way they come at it. And that's inspiring because musicians, I mean, we love our craft, but it's really good to step outside the box or just. You know, experience something that's really different. And that's how you know if you want to do it again or not. (laughs) You you know, you got to do by doing.
0: (laughs) Well, now, have the projects that involve collaborating with other artists, have those overlapped with the the number of times that you've been uh, involved in premieres and new music? Or do those tend to be? uh, Yes.
1: yeah they have actually they've been uh together with some of them um I'll, sometimes it's not been even a premiere of music. it's been a premiere of dance or a mm-hmm. premiere of art, which it's like, oh wow, this is um we tend to think like premiere or at least I always was like, well, it's music premieres, but it's also all art has premieres and to be involved in an evolution of a work that's really that's really exciting and i I think that um, one thing I insist my students do is that we have to play music by living composers. And on their recitals, they know that they have a choice of three things. It's a composer of color, a woman composer, or um, a living composer. A woman, composer of color, or has to be currently living. Um, Because it's important for us to promote that and to be part of it. Um, We don't do that enough, I think, as artists. You know, we need to be promoting current music as hard as, and sometimes it's not accessible when you're an undergrad because some of it's hard music. But um, yeah, I think that being involved in different art forms is is really a good thing for to stretch in many ways.
0: Definitely. And, and you are, a, uh, I mean, you definitely demonstrate that to your students on a regular basis. And so, for example, stretching forward into the future with new music, uh, or just, I guess it's in the present, but then also you, you play Baroque, you play early music as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what are some of How did you first get involved in some of the, um, early music performances?
1: When I was a student at UT, um, the choral area did, they had this project for their masters and doctoral candidates in, um, uh, Cantatas. And it was kind of like, hey, can you play this? And I was like, okay. I didn't really know, really. You you know what it's like when you're kind of in the hallway. You're like, hey, we need you to. It's like, okay. (laughs) And the more we got into this and the Bach Cantata project, I really enjoyed it. And I bought a Baroque bow and I took some lessons on how to use it. And because I think, um, especially when you teach very beginners, you know, a lot of in the Suzuki rhythms, they're all Baroque rhythms. Right, um, and it's kind of the basic of what we're doing, and so I think it's really you know early music. You got to strip everything away. It's just another set of ears. It's another set of how to play. Um, I, I find it very rewarding, especially uh, continuo lines, because it is you know when we mostly play in orchestras, we're a very heard instrument, and then you know in chamber music and and cantatas and Baroque, then we kind of get to play alone, and it's really kind of (laughs) nice to be in an ensemble and to be the one that is in charge for a very small amount of time.
0: Nice, nice. Now, uh, tell about your most recent CD. Oh,
1: well, um, I don't really know how. Dr. Ames Asbell is my dear colleague. She's our viola professor here at Texas State, and Um, We were, we've been taught, we had been talking about this for a long time about collaborating and, um, and it just kind of morphed into this idea of let's commission women composers about women musicians. So, um, we, we also were kind of like thinking, how could we make this relative to where we are, where we work? San Marcos, um, there's a, the river that runs through San Marcos is, uh, well, water is the source of life and women are the source of life. And we, where we work, where we live in central Texas, all these aquifers in this area were actually, uh, they're thousands and thousands of years old, and it's a real important part of life here and um, part of the development of part of in this part of the country. Some of the oldest um, findings of remains, of human remains, are actually in central Texas. And we just started thinking about water and. And how water is seen in, in all art forms, in visual, in um, in music, it's one of these things that's always present. And so we came up with a list of women composers and we um, applied for a grant from our institution and we got a really lovely amount of money. Um <laughs> To commission two works and to do this beautiful record. Like, it's kind of unbelievable that we were given this, here you go, and we, <laughs> we can do what we want, you know, it was, and I'm so happy to say that we, we applied for the second time, and we got it again, so we're going to do another, I know, so we're going to commission another round for, of women composers from across the country of, we've got, um... Again, um, a Native American composer, a Hispanic composer, um, an African American composer, and uh, so you know, women. I think composers, especially, haven't been promoted. And how can we help that? And viola and cello music—it's it's a pretty small um, catalog of music. Oh, yes. So it's mm-hmm. um, it's been really exciting, and I. To work with a composer so intimately and to have them like, what do you, it's, it's really exciting. As you know, it's to work from the ground up on a piece of music and have them come and work with us and us go to them and try things. And it's really a fascinating process to work with composers. So um, we're going to record the second round of Ripples. We're going to call it Waves um, in June of 2023. So the music is being written currently and we are waiting to get things and, you know, flesh it out with composers and and then begins the learning process and putting our stamp on it. And um, it's just a wonderful also, it's just it's a wonderful way to um, to promote music by women, but just to be how do I want to say this? It's a, it's something that is you can't replicate. When you have something that's written for you, it's like, oh, yeah, this was for me. You know, in years from now, I'll be like, oh, that's right. This is what I contributed.
0: Yeah. Well, if I may say so, I think for the performer, that's your perspective and that's special. But I yeah. have to say I like about on your website, you I mean, one of the things that we try to accomplish, I think, as a performer is whatever piece we're playing to make it sound like it was written for us, you know? I mean, I, I really like your sound on the Barber Sonata, and oh, thank you. You, you play it as though Barber wrote that for you too. You know what I mean? You, oh, from that's the, so kind. Well, <laughs> from the from the listener standpoint, they want to they want to kind of think, oh wow, this it's not like well, there is the composer and then there's the performer and then there's me, the listener. Instead, right. it's, it's all it's all one. It's all homogenous. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're the vessel, right? We're just the yeah. messenger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. actors, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, this is this is great fun. What uh, now? I know you have other performances certainly coming up also, and uh, other projects that you're you're uh, working on. In addition to waiting for the the next yeah. round of of uh, music to, to come along, what are some of the projects coming up in 2022?
1: Um, well, uh, we've got a couple of recitals coming up here at school. Um, I wanted to. I'm very proud of the fact I did all my Suzuki books. Yay! I did all my ten Suzuki books, um, uh-huh. which is wonderful. Uh, that's a that was a big thing to check off because the I just love so much of the Suzuki community and. Um, just the pillars of the philosophies of Suzuki teaching is so important. Um, I think for we've got I also run the string camp here that we've got coming up in June and we're going to be back face to face in person, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. let's (laughs) fingers fingers crossed that we can be back face to face in person. Um, But until then, I'm trying to think, what have I got? We've just got to be honest, we're just hanging on to the end of the school year. (laughs) Trying to get through, um, I've got a bunch of, my students have recitals coming up, um, getting them through, and um, I I don't have much until the summer, actually. It's kind of nice to do, just to have some time. I, I, I really like having May to just kind of think, what happened this year and what's coming up? That's kind of my decompression month, to think about the school year and yet to, to plan ahead. So, yeah. Right. Um, I go home, I go back up north to um, Winnipeg and to our cottage for a good month of July. And I always take my cello and it's always a nice time to just kind of really feel out what am I doing? You know, you get time to really practice and think about stuff. Right,
0: right. And well, and if indeed this uh, pandemic period is behind us, then so what are some of your like for example in your various travels and performances and uh, do you have a a wish list of things yeah. that that you you hope to do for 2023 and 24 what's on
1: I the I really hope that um, we have made every two years we go to Monterey Mexico mm-hmm. some faculty members and I and we work with students at the three universities there And that's been, we've had to do that on Zoom and we've really missed that trip because it's a week and the concerts are so fun that we get to do with faculty there and faculty, my faculty who go. And I've really missed that week of traveling and working with students in Monterey. That's something that, fingers crossed, we'll be back again. Um, I know that uh, um, a colleague of mine, uh, Ricky Hall, we've done some pieces together and he's... um, for electronic and cello and we're doing, he's written another movement to that. And hopefully we'll be able to go to New Orleans again, another conference and be able to do it in person, you know, in person there. Um, And then the Music by Women conference in March next year of 23 would be lovely to go to again. And um, I did not go to ASTA this year, I was just a little too nervous to be unmasked on a plane. and So anyways, I hope to be at that and um, just have more closeness of us, you know, where we're not so like, am I going to die with a disease? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've missed the closeness. I didn't realize how really musicians really, we really need each other. It's not, it's not easy being, doing this medium over a computer, that's for sure. (laughs) And the energy of our performing friends and colleagues is really difficult not to, not to have around. I've missed that immensely. And now that we're, you know, really ramping up, at least here, um, it's so nice. Gosh, it's nice to see people and and to sit beside a colleague, you know, in a concert and it's it's really been lovely. I didn't realize how much I missed it until things started to really pick up here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, we all have greater technology chops now, and they'll prove useful in various yes. ways. But, um, yeah, in person, hearing real live acoustic sounds bounce around, and yes. that's, that's really special, isn't it?
1: hmm And just to be in the presence of that is... Uh, yeah, it's it's this. That's why music brings brings us together.
0: It is amazing. It's it's magical that we have this, uh, because I mean, does it really help people? Did we evolve it because of a? Uh, it helps us survive, or something, or is it just a, a nice byproduct that we've kind of learned to cultivate more and more over time? But yes. Yeah. Well, hats off to you with the uh, just demonstrating a a yes you have the discipline to make yourself sit down at the cello and do what needs to be done each time but you also have the fearlessness to go like you say whether somebody just asks you in the hall hey do you want to do this why what's there to gain by saying no no i've got my little world you you keep saying yes and going off in in new directions and
1: well here's a this is some of my students this is an interesting story and this is this is why i tell my students and you've lived this because to get where you've gotten you've had to do the same you've had to say yes and think like oh my gosh what i say yes to but i'm doing it anyways right (laughs) so when i was doing my doctorate um i was literally in the hallway uh fifth floor hallway as you know practice room hallway and a colleague, a classmate of mine said, oh, I got a call to sub in the Austin Symphony, but I've got a gig playing at a synagogue, Kol Niedre, um on Yom Kippur. Can you do it? Because I want to do the better gig. And I said, <laughs> sure. I said, sure, I can. Every, we all know Kol Nedre, we can play that, sure. It's just the front end and the back end, I can. So he, I got the details from, and um, I went to the piano rehearsal, played the thing, you know. And I as I was leaving the synagogue, this man came out and he said, "Do you um do, do are you teaching somewhere?" Or you know, what's your yeah. And I said, "No, I actually but I will be graduating from UT um, in cello. I've got going to do my doctorate." And he said, "Oh, great. Well, I teach at Concordia University, and actually I just heard we're looking for a string person." <laughs> and that's how I got And I called and I remember I left a message and I didn't hear for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, oh, well, you know, this was October. okay, because you do that, right? You're told call, follow up, do your thing. And then it was months later that I got the call and said, Mm -hmm. oh, actually, we do need somebody. Can you teach part time? And so had I said no right. or, or, or had this person not taken the better gig or or, you know what I mean? Like maybe they shouldn't have done that. But, right. um, <laughs> but that's how and you know that you've heard a thousand stories that we all kind of just land where we are. And um, yeah, it's you. You. Uh, it was Laurie Scott at UT who said, "You say yes, and then you figure it out later. Like you just do it." <laughs> and Phyllis Young, Mrs. Young, was the same. Who, she would like, "Who are you to say no? Let's do it. It's a learning experience. That's how you form opinion by good and bad, and then you figure it out." And and that's kind of always been my experience. My experience. And also Phyllis Young also said, and I know she probably said this to you too. You work every job as if it's your last. You know, you put everything into this um, and you will be rewarded for your hard work, your determination, your commitment, your responsibility. And she was 100 percent right. A hundred percent. Mrs. Young was always right, actually.
0: Yeah, I know. We miss her, don't we?
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was she was pretty wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Laurie Scott's pretty wonderful too.
1: Yes, she is. She's a gem. Yeah, I still, what do I do? (laughs) She's great. Yeah, we're very happy. I'm so blessed that she's within the area.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, Carla, thanks so much. This has been a real uh, privilege and and fun time talking with you. It's such a privilege. All right. Lots of takeaways for people to Think about as they practice all weekend long. (laughs) And we'll see you this time next week, everybody. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks so much. Thank you.